as one of the spiritual leaders for our house and our gathering, uh, I kind of feel a distinct responsibility and would kind of weave it into what I, what I feel like God's called me to, and that is uh, to help shed light on and help understand um, and reconcile the world that we see out there the, the brokenness, the fallenness, the, the evil, the ugliness, all the stuff that you look at and you go, that, that can't be from this God that we sing about and the God that we sing about. To reconcile those things and just, just my prayer is to hopefully make a, a little bit more sense of who God is and how he's working uh, in 2019. Because sometimes it can, you can just look around and you can just feel defeated. You can just feel like, yeah, we sing about this victory, this is good, but stuff is, stuff is ugly. I know some of you guys are walking through stuff that's just, it's not how it's supposed to be. And so before we get started, uh, I just want to invite God uh, in, in our hearts today that he will, that he'll work through this gathering uh, of his believers together and that we'll go out being encouraged. We guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I love you. We love you. We're gathered here to set our attention and affection on you, the creator of the universe. And so I just ask that in these moments that we share, that you will be ever so present and that we can uh, leave this place feeling empowered to help heal a hurting world. We ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. So we talk about this God that we see working today, trying to figure out how he's working, and we talk about him as the creator of the universe. And I think to understand how it is that God is still working today, we need to go back to the beginning to see how he was uh, and is working then. And so Genesis chapter 1, all the way back at the beginning, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Everything you see gets covered under that blanket statement. God created everything. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. As the middle school pastor, uh, one of Amanda and I's uh, just joys is serving with seventh graders on Sunday mornings. Uh, we kind of lead them through a Bible study. We have some high school students that join us. It's wonderful. It's lovely. We had a conversation about this last week, uh, and we were talking about creation and what God created and how he created it. And, and this idea of uh, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters kind of tripped him up a little bit. And, and uh, it was so encouraging to know where we were headed this morning to be like, I didn't want to leave them hanging and like, Okay, just hold on till next Sunday, guys. But it was so encouraging uh, because it's something that we see a lot of times, and I think we kind of glance over it uh, pretty quickly, but consistently in the Old Testament, this, this language of waters or oceans or seas or anything like that in the Old Testament is consistently used to, in, in metaphoric type almost, to, to, in, in poetry to, to convey this idea of chaos, of disorder, and so, in the beginning, God created everything, everything we see, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the face of the water. So, we get this idea of pre-creation. Before God, before anything existed, God was. God has always been, and out of that nothingness that existed uh, aside from, from God existing, out of that nothingness, God spoke everything into existence. 
and in speaking everything that we see, everything that we don't see into existence, says there was chaos in the beginning. God is bringing order and structure and a framework into that chaos. So the the state of pre-creation was chaos and disorder, and God, in creating, was bringing everything to a form and an order, and he said, this is how humankind, this is how life will most fully flourish. If If you exist inside of this order, you will flourish like I intended you to. Not because he's manipulative, not because he says, I want to create all these little minions that just do whatever I say whenever I say it, because he is the infinitely wise sovereign and good creator of the universe, and he just knows that inside of these conditions that I've created, if you follow me and if you trust in me and if you just, it wasn't that difficult. We just had to enjoy who God was and him be enough for us. And if we exist inside of that framework, he said, you will flourish most fully. So in creation, God brings order from chaos. In creation, God brings order from chaos. But at some point along the way, Adam and Eve, and we ourselves even today, decided that that order that he created for human life to flourish most fully was not good enough. Somewhere along the way, we decided that, okay, God, I get it. So if we go back to Adam and Eve, we could say that they were looking and God said, you can have anything in this garden. I've created all things for your enjoyment because I want you to enjoy me as the creator of the universe. But there's just, there's this one, one tree. I need you to stay away from it. Everything else is yours. So you need to stay away from this one thing. And just like we do today, they looked at that and said, hold on. I thought you said you wanted me to enjoy life. I thought you said you wanted me to flourish most fully how you've created me to be. And you said you created something that I can't have? That's not enjoyment. You might be asking, why in the world would God create this opportunity for disobedience if he wanted us to be in relationship with him? And here's why. If everything was set in such a way where Adam and Eve and we today did not have an opportunity for disobedience as harsh as the consequences might be for that disobedience, if that opportunity did not exist, that is not true worship, that is not enjoyment, that is slavery. So for for us to truly experience and worship God most fully and flourish in that way, the opportunity for disobedience had to be present, but God trusting in that moment that, okay, I am enough for you. I'm the creator of all things. All things were created by me in heaven and on earth. Everything by me. I am sustaining life. I've got everything that you need. And we had to make the decision, are we going to trust in God, the creator of the universe, or are we going to trust in what we think is best? And uh, spoiler alert, we didn't trust in the creator of the universe. And, and so God in creation brings order from chaos. He brings order from chaos. But in the fall, in disobeying God, sin breaks the order that God created. Sin breaks the order that God created. So what are some things that are broken as a part of this? God created life Again, that we might flourish. 
And as a part of the, the created order being broken and chaos being reintroduced back into the world, we experience death, we experience suffering, we experience broken relationships, we experience all these things that weren't a part of God's created and perfect framework and order that he, that he spoke into existence over the chaos and brought it to order. We experience all those things that weren't a part of God's plan because sin breaks the created order. And this is why in 2019, when you look around, you say, this is not how things are supposed to be. I am sure you have been there. You might not be there right now in this moment. Things might be going great for you, but I guarantee you have been there somewhere in life where you look around, whether it's in your life personally or someone you know or someone on, uh, on the other side of the world, you say, this is not how it's supposed to be. There's brokenness because sin broke the created order. But just like we sang about this morning, God loved us too much to leave us there. That inside of the created order being broken, he could have, he could have, he had every right as the creator of all things, had every right to go, I'm out, I'm done. They clearly don't want anything to do with me. They clearly, they clearly are going their own way. They're not gonna worship me and enjoy me fully, freely, and forever. And so I'm out of here, but he didn't, he didn't. And so inside of the brokenness that we see and inside of the brokenness that we experience in our world today, Paul reminds us of this in Colossians. Chapter one, we'll start in uh, verse 15. He says, he, talking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Sometimes we can get really frustrated because we can't see God. I, I know I've been there because we're like, how in the world is God working? But Paul's encouraging us that Jesus is the image of that invisible God. And so if we ever want to view or ever want to know the heart of God, we get to see the actions of Jesus. Jesus was God's, uh, God's intent and purpose for Jesus was God here on earth. So we don't have to wonder anymore about what, what God cares about. We don't have to think anymore like, oh, what would God do in this situation? We get to see how Jesus carried himself because he's the image of the invisible God. For by him, by Jesus, all things were created. So we get to look back to Genesis and, and remind ourselves that the entire Trinity was there present in creation. God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters or presiding over the chaos. And all things were created by Jesus for Jesus. Paul gives us a list here just in case there was any questions. Everything was created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. All things were created through him and for him. Verse 17 says, and he is before all things, and in him he holds all things together. Again, Jesus is before all things because Jesus was there in the creation, had an active role as the Godhead, in, as a part of the Godhead in creation. And then he speaks to our gathering here as a body of believers. He says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that gives us so much hope that in everything he might be preeminent, or in everything he might surpass all other things. And 
And how does that whole firstborn from the dead thing play out? In verse 19 it says, For in him, in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And here's why that's important. Here's why it's important that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in the person of Jesus. Because God, in creation, brought order to chaos, framework to chaos, set it free, said this is how you will flourish most. In the fall, that, that order, that framework is broken because sin introduces, uh, is introduced to the world. Disobedience to God is introduced to the world. And inside of that sin being introduced, we get all this terrible stuff that we see around us today. Death, disease, broken relationships. And the only one that could possibly fix the broken framework was the creator of the framework. So because the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus, because God was 100% fully God, incarnate here on earth. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him, and that means he could do something about fixing what was broken. Because if any of us were powerful enough to fix what was broken inside of the framework that God created originally, guess what? Kale, if you were powerful enough to fix what was broken, you would have existed at creation, because that's how much power it takes. But you didn't. And so the only one that could fix it is someone who is fully God, and the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. And through him, through Jesus, because the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And so it's because that Jesus, as fully God, it's because of his work on the cross that we can now experience the reconciliation, the restored and fixed relationship, the, the, the restored and reconciled framework, order that was broken because of the fall. And then Paul takes it personal so we can kind of see it in our lives. He says in 21, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. There's something important for us to understand. That post-fall, post-sin being introduced into the world, and post-chaos being reintroduced into the world, we were marred from how God created us to be because that order and framework was broken. And so going forward, we were, no longer, uh, we were no longer sinners because we sin, because we occasionally do the wrong thing. We are sinners as a part of our marred being, as a part of the brokenness of the world and framework that God created. We are sinners, and therefore all that bad stuff comes out of our life. And here's why that's important to understand, because if you look at it the first way, if you sin and that makes you a sinner, guess what you can do? You can clean up your act. You can do all the right things from here on out. You can, do, you can be morally good. You can think in your head that you vote the right way. You can do all these things that make you a, a, a good person. But it's not a matter of good 
and bad, morally right or morally wrong. It's a matter of life and death. And so because we are sinners, the wages of sin is death. And death was introduced to the world by the brokenness of the fall. By us saying, God, we want our own way. And so we were positionally apart from God. You who were once alienated and hostile in mind, it's just a part of who we are. And out of the overflow of that, we were doing evil deeds. And here's what he's done about it. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. He has now brought us back in right relationship in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And I want you to know this morning that that is the best news that we could hear, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were dead in the ways that we have disobeyed God because we take an active part in being a part of the brokenness of the world when sin exhibits itself in our life. And so because we are sinners, because we are a part of the broken, created order, we were apart from God. But Jesus, through his, the, through his death and through his resurrection, reconciles us to God. So Jesus, who is fully God, reconciles us to God through his death and resurrection on the cross. He took the punishment that we deserve because the wages of sin is death and brings us back into right relationship with the creator of the universe. And I've, I, I've honestly never heard any better news in my life that God who created me, who saw me, having sons has changed my view on a lot of things. And it, it we have a toddler. You guys know toddlers, right? They're, to they're toddlers. When Hudson disobeys, it, it breaks me. It breaks my heart. And I can't imagine, like, I, I'm falling myself, and it still breaks my heart. Because I'm, we've been having these conversations with him, like, Hudson, man, we, we know what's best for you. Like, we, you just got to trust us. And he's like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And it, it ends up in him getting hurt or something like this. And I'm just like, Ugh. I want, I want better for you, man. I want better for you. And that's me viewing it as a fallen dad who's just trying his best. We have disobeyed. We've broken the order, the created order of the creator of the universe. And even inside of that, he says, I want better for you, but I'm going to provide a way. Because of this brokenness in your life, we, we have a broken relationship, but I'm going to provide a way for that relationship to be restored. And that is good news. But as I prayed and really pray, poured over this passage this week, I was like, this is good news, but something's missing. Something's missing, and I, I don't know, I don't know where, to, where to challenge us because this is, this is good news. But honestly, as I look around in our, in our gathering, first service and second service, this is good news. And don't ever, don't ever stop forgetting the good news that you have been reconciled from death to life, that you've been brought back in relationship uh, with God. That is part of following Jesus. But as I look around in our body, we got, we got a lot of people that know the good news. We got a lot of people that they're like, what Holly talked about. Yeah, I've been reconciled. God is good. He's done a work in my life. I've gone from death to life. It's so 
good, and we just absorb that, and, and, and I'll put myself in this camp. We absorb it, and we sit on it, and we're gluttonous, and we love it, and we're like, yeah, I love that I've been reconciled. This is good news. But there's more. There's more. Second Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 5. Paul, again, is encouraging another uh, church. He says, therefore, if anyone in Christ is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is why, again, you can't just clean up your act from here on out. We have to be restored and made new. If anyone is in Jesus, trusting in the person and the work of Jesus, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. It's gone. Behold, this is good news. The new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself which is what we just talked about. He reconciled us to himself. He brought us from death to life. He said, you can be brought back into right relationship with me. You just have to trust me. We've experienced that. We know that. We're here this morning because of that, to celebrate that. That's good news. I don't want us to ever forget that. But he did that. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Through Christ, we've been reconciled uh, to God, but then God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was bringing the, the world back into right relationship with himself, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Even though we've disobeyed God, even though we've gone and done our own thing, he's not counted that against us. And then he entrusts us with the message of reconciliation. <clears throat> Just like in Colossians, it talked about how we were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And it's because of our position uh, in relationship to God before we're reconciled, because we are alienated and we're hostile in mind, like we, we have the broken hearts, we're, we're not living as God has intended. It's because uh, of that that the evil deeds are the overflow of our life. But when we have been reconciled to God, the creator of the universe, the overflow of our life, because we've been made new, becomes something different. The overflow from our life at that point is a ministry of reconciliation. It's a ministry of bringing things back into right relationship with one another. And Paul says in 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And here's what Paul says. We implore you on behalf of Christ. This is your tagline as you go out and, and are ministers of reconciliation. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, not just, not just sin, but be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Of God. We have be become ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ. And as I pray, and, and I am in the camp with you guys, I am, I am there with you. I, I need to grow in this. And this is what I want to challenge us with. 
Because I think we have a lot of reconciled people, which is step number one. And you might be here this morning saying, I don't know if I've ever been reconciled to God. I need to take care of this today. I need to take care of this this week because I still feel like positionally uh, alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. I still feel like I am far from God and I need to be made right. I need to be made new here this morning. And that is step number one. But if you've been there, the Christian life does not stop there because we were alienated and hostile mind doing evil deeds, but God reconciled us and then tasked us with a ministry of reconciliation. God restored us and then tasked us with the ministry of restoration. So we all get to, out of the overflow of what God has done in us, be reconcilers to a hurting and broken world. What, is, what does this mean practically? Because we're not, we're not going around and forgiving sins. Only God can do that. We're not going around and bringing people from death to life. Only the creator of the universe can do that. So what does this look like in your life? I want to give you a few examples. And then I want to commission us and pray over us as we go out into the world as ministers of reconciliation. Some of us are really good at holding grudges. And we've held grudges so long that something in the past has made us go, I don't like that person, I'm not gonna associate with that person, but it's been so long that we can't even remember what it is of why we don't like them and why we're not gonna associate with them. We are ministers of reconciliation. What would it look like for you this week to out of the overflow uh, of who God is in your life and what he's done for you, what would it look like as the overflow of that to reach out and say, hey, let's, let's fix this. Let's restore this. Let's reconcile this relationship because things aren't right between us and, and, and God has made things right with me and, and I need to make things right with you. What would it look like for you to call that friend that hurt you? What would it look like if this body of believers mobilized into the foster care system in Whitley County and said there's brokenness, there's hurt, and I've got the resources, I've got the time, I've been so changed by the person of Jesus that I'm going to fix the brokenness that I see in the world. What would it look like for us to see the injustices, the, the child slavery, the sex trafficking, the, the people without adequate resources around the world? What would it look like for us to see that and take an active step in saying that is not how God intended on it. I am going to be a part of the reconciliation process. I'm going to help restore what is broken. What would it look like? Students, you guys are still moldable. A lot of adults in here, we're set in our ways, Okay. What would it look like for you? Oh, we got college students who are closer to it. I'll get to you in a little bit. Students, you guys are in college right now. There are a, a plethora of people groups on, on this planet who cannot hear about Jesus because they either don't have access to scripture 
or don't have access to, uh, to someone who knows anything about Jesus, they've never heard the name of Jesus before, what would it look like, students, for you to follow the call in your life to say, I'm going to abandon all of my dreams and my desires, and I'm getting on board with God's dreams and God's desires, and I'm going to go to a people who, who without me going, might not have another opportunity to hear about the person of Jesus and how he can reconcile them from death to life. What if you woke up every morning looking around in the world that God has placed you in and you said, what can I reconcile today? What can I be a part of restoring because of who God is in my life? And if you, if you can't come to that place of being a part of, of reconciliation, of saying, Jordan, I'd call that person I got the grudge against, but you don't know what they've done to me. I'd, I'd move overseas, but I got stuff cooking in the back burner. I'd, I'd, I'd be a part of God's process, but you don't know what's happened in my past. And if that is you, I implore you, just like Paul did, be reconciled. Because that is the good news that we have been reconciled. We've been brought back into right relationship. And if, if you don't have the ability to say yes to how God is asking you to reconcile yourself to the broken world around us. Maybe it's time to look at your heart and say, God, have you reconciled me? God has restored us so we can be a part of the process of restoration. God has reconciled us so we can be a part of the process of reconciliation to help heal a broken and chaotic world that we see around us. So if this morning you are at that place of saying, I need to be reconciled, we're going to pray here in a little bit. There will be people that will meet you over at the cross. Today's a great day. If you say, I need to be reconciled, go pray with them. I encourage you. Or if you're at a place of saying, I know what the next step of reconciliation is for me, but it's scary. I don't want to make, I know I need to make that phone call, but I don't want to. I know I need to follow the call from God. I, I, I am scared. They would, we would also love to pray with you about what's next, uh, what your next step is and be an encouragement to you and spur you along in the steps that God is asking you to take. And so I want to commission us as ministers of reconciliation. And so here's, here's what I want us to do. If we could, uh, we, because we're just all kind of scattered around, I did something completely different for a service, but because we're scattered around, I want us to just kind of reconcile our relationships right now. And so if you could just across the aisle, grab hands, and I'm going to pray over us as we are sent out. So go ahead and stand up and grab the hand of the person next to you. People on the aisle, stretch out. Um, and I will pray for us as we become ministers of reconciliation to help heal a broken and hurting world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are your people. Forgive us when we do not follow what you've asked us to do. Forgive us for the moments where we value our comfort more than we value you. Forgive us for the moments where we uh, for where we just blatantly ignore your call or miss your call or don't take opportunities to be a part of the reconciliation process. And so as we go out from this place, empower us with your Holy Spirit. 
empower us uh, that, that we have been reconciled. And out of the overflow of that, I pray that we as a people of God can help reconcile and restore what is broken in the world day by day, asking, what can we reconcile today? Lord, we love you, and we know that apart from the reconciliation that we have experienced from you, we can't do this. And so we trust wholly and completely in who you are, and we love you deeply. Go with us as we go, Lord. We ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.